Pastor Xavier Reese and the Savior's second coming, securing the way of salvation for the Jewish nation. Jeremiah 23, 5 through 6 says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord Yahweh, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth, the kingdom age. And Israel will dwell safely. Now this is his name by which he will be called. Are you ready for it? The Lord our righteousness, meaning Jesus Christ, Messiah. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. One night near the end of the Babylonian captivity, Daniel knew it was the time of the evening sacrifice, but the Jews could not give sacrifices to God in Babylon. Instead, Daniel prayed. And while he was praying, the angel Gabriel arrived. He told Daniel that God had heard his prayer and had sent Gabriel to give Daniel understanding of not just the restoration of the nation of Israel, but the future of God's people through the end of time. And today, Pastor Xavier continues our study series of the book of Daniel with one of Scripture's most remarkable prophecies. Let's listen. Daniel chapter 9, we're going to look at verses 24 to 26. And the message is entitled, The First 69 Weeks of Daniel. Daniel, knowing the 70-year captivity was almost up, according to the books of Jeremiah, has been seeking the Lord, as you know, to make requests by prayer and supplication with fastings, sackcloth, and ashes by confessing and repenting for himself first and then for the people of God in the first year of Darius, 538 B.C. You get that in chapter 9 of Daniel, verse 1 to verse 19. While Daniel was in prayer, in verse 20 to 23 of Daniel, confessing his sins and the sins of his people Israel, and praying for the mountain of God, the angel Gabriel appeared to him in the evening oblation, informing him that he had come to answer his prayer, to give him skill and understanding of the vision that he was greatly beloved. So what we have here is an actual answer to the prayer of Daniel, the confession seeking God for wisdom regarding the time of the fulfillment of the 70 weeks and God reveals the future. In chapter 9, the book of Daniel here, we have one of the most amazing prophecies of scripture known as the 70th week of Daniel. Considered to be the very backbone and skeleton of all biblical prophecy. The 70 weeks of Daniel give us a clear and precise picture of God's dealing with the nation of Israel. Until the Lord's return on earth to set up his kingdom. That's the key. It regards Israel. No one else. The 70 weeks are divided into two periods. The first 69 weeks focus on the first coming of Jesus Christ. Verse 24 to 26. The final week will focus on the time of tribulation and great tribulation on the second coming of Jesus Christ. Verse 27. And that will involve the Antichrist that we'll see next time. Now this prophetic period fits into the time of the Gentiles, as you know. The image of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. But this particular time, 24 to 26, is from the Persian rule to the Roman rule. 
And then verse 27 is the last seven years, which is the ten toes, the Antichrist. Okay? Now, the 69 weeks of Daniel reveals the first coming of Jesus Christ, which is laid out for us in a very simple threefold division. Let me read verse 24 to 26. Seventy weeks are determined for your people, for your holy city, to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and sixty-two weeks, the street shall be built again, and the wall, even in troublous times. And after the sixty-two weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end of it shall be with a flood, until the end of war's desolations are determined." The first coming of Jesus Christ here is the backdrop and is laid out for us in a three simple movement. First, the particulars of the prophecy in verse 24. Second, you have the particular time of the prophecy, verse 25. And third, you have the particular fulfillment of the prophecy in verse 26. One, two, Three, he lays it out. The particulars of the prophecy come first. Verse 24. Now, remember, the backdrop is Daniel is praying, seeking, confessing. The angel Gabriel comes to give him the interpretation. This is an answer. The angel Gabriel is giving all this. So notice the angel Gabriel indicated the period of this prophecy to be the 70 weeks. The word weeks literally means a period of unit of sevens in the Hebrew. The phrase 70 weeks is a multiple of 70 sevens. The Greek translation Septuagint is the word heptads, okay? But it's seven sevens, multiples. The total would be 490 years, okay? Seven times 70 is 490 years. This is the determined total of years for this prophetic vision that it covers. 490 years, okay? Now notice next, the angel Gabriel identified the people related and involved in the prophecy. Listen carefully. The Jews. Indicated by the phrase, for your people. Are we clear on this? Don't stick the church in here. The church has nothing to do with this. Daniel never understood it, didn't know anything about the church. He's talking about his people. The first half of Daniel deals with the Gentile. Now the last half with Israel. Daniel was a Jew who had been taken in captivity, as you know, by Nebuchadnezzar in the first siege, 606 B.C. Daniel's people were also Jewish, who were taken in three sieges. 606, 596, 586, the final one. Daniel had been making intercession for his people. Who? The Jews. Daniel 9, verse 1 to 19. It's the Jews that's the subject. Once again, notice the angel Gabriel equally identified the place for the prophecy to be fulfilled 
in Jerusalem by the phrase, for your holy city. It's not Burbank. Okay? Not New York. Jerusalem. Jerusalem is called the city of God. Therefore, it is said to be holy. Psalm 46, 4 says, There is a river whose stream shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. Jerusalem is said to be the holy city of the Jews. In Psalm 48, 2, it says, Beautiful in elevation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the side of the north, the city of the great king. Jerusalem is mentioned more times than any other city in the Bible. 776 times. Listen to Psalm 132, 13 and 14. For the Lord Yahweh has chosen Zion. He has desired it for His dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. Jerusalem is God's resting place forever. It's the city of God. It's even called the city of David. Notice next that the angel Gabriel gave the purpose of the prophecy. It is twofold and clearly stated. The first part of the prophecy deals with the victory over sin here. The first coming. First, remember again, it's all about the Jews. The application, not the church or Gentiles. First to finish the transgression. Mark it well. The word finish means to bring to an end the idea of being of restraint or to restrict the transgression of Israel at the end of the 70 years when Jesus returns. So to finish the transgression deals with the sin, the transgression of Israel, the rebellion. This is not the church. The word transgression means rebellion, willful disobedience. The Jew has rejected the Messiah. The Jew has rejected the gospel. They don't believe Jesus is Messiah. The provision for Israel were made by Jesus at the cross, as you know. But the Jew rejected his atonement. Yet they will call upon him and his name in the second coming. Very clear. Jesus finished the atonement for the transgression of Adam at the cross. And made available through the gospel in the presence of the Holy Spirit now. 2 Thessalonians 2, 6-7, 1 John 3, 8. Thirdly, regarding the Jew, to make an end of sins. The phrase make an end of sins means to seal up or complete the removal of the sins of Israel. They're still in their sin. There is no sacrifice. There is no temple today. It was destroyed in 70 AD as we'll see. The word sin in the Hebrew means the same thing it means in the Greek. To miss the mark. It's in the plural. Sins. They have missed the mark over and over and over again. God will remove the sins of Israel as far as the east as the west. And bury them in the deepest ocean at the end of the 70 years. Psalm 103.12, Micah 7.19. Not before. The book of Hebrews even declares we have embraced that covenant, but yet they have not. Now the covenant of Jerusalem will be fulfilled, and God will put His laws in their mind, 
and write them in their heart. He will be their God and they will be his people. Jeremiah 31, 33 through 40 tells us the covenant, the new covenant in their mind and written in their hearts at the end of those 70 years. Okay? The 70th year. In other words, the end of the tribulation, the second coming. Now, we enjoy the privilege now of the age of grace. We are the bride of Christ. But the Jew has not. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. But the Jew has not yet. Thirdly, says, to make reconciliation for iniquity. The word iniquity means the depravity and crookedness of human nature in the distortion of sin. Because even in sin, the word sinful, people get some really tweaked out people regarding sin, corruption, perversion. This is what involves. Israel will be reconciled, which means to cover or make an operative their crooked depravity at the end of the 70th week. At the end of the seven year tribulation at the second coming. This all deals with Israel. We have been reconciled to God being the propitiation for our sins. as the people of God. Hebrews 2.17. 2 Corinthians 5.18. Very, very clear. But he's talking about Israel. Now, that's the first coming. He came for that, but they rejected it. Now, the second part of the prophecy deals with the establishment of the kingdom. The second coming of Jesus Christ. Notice it says to bring in everlasting righteousness. This refers to the kingdom age. Satan is bound for a thousand years. The Jews are served by the Gentiles. Jeremiah 23, 5-6 says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord Yahweh, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness, meaning Jesus Christ, Messiah. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth, the kingdom age. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell safely. Now this is his name by which he will be called. Are you ready for it? The Lord our righteousness, the Lord to sit canoe, the thousand year reign for Israel. The church will reign with Jesus. Israel occupies the land. All the promises. And they are served by the Gentile. Next, to seal up vision and prophecy. Every prophecy will be fulfilled up to that time for the millennial kingdom. There's still others after the millennial kingdom. You have the white throne judgment. You have the new heaven, the new earth. But up to that point, everything, even the ones that we are even ignorant about that are here. That we don't even know about. Everything will be fulfilled. And then he says, to anoint the most holy. Some believe this refers to the Messiah Jesus Christ during the millennial kingdom to be anointed. Others believe it's the holy of holies in the temple of Ezekiel chapter 40 to 48. To me it doesn't really matter because Jesus will sit in the temple in the holy of holies and he will be ruling. So he will be anointed king of kings, lord of lords. And the Holy of Holies will be anointed because the Holy One is in it. You understand? It makes no difference. In fact, Jeremiah 3.17 tells us he will sit on the throne of the sanctuary of the Holy of Holies. Zechariah 6.13 says he will sit ruling as the royal high priest.
priest. The particulars of the prophecy, again notice, involves only the Jew, not the Gentile. Jerusalem, the nation of Israel. Are we clear on that? Very important. Jerome tells us there were already nine different opinions in his day about the seventh week of Daniel, despite the clarity and the context. See, if we don't allow the scripture to interpret scripture, then we, we do it subjectively and we give it our own twist of it. And we can be very clever, but not very scriptural. Jesus accepted the Old Testament as historical, literal, and accurate, including all the prophecies. Listen to his words. For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot and one tittle will by no means pass from the law, till all is fulfilled. The smallest letter or the smallest stroke above the letter is indicated by the yod and the tittle. To know how to pronounce it because vowels were omitted. Every person that ever reads the Bible or hears the claims of the Bible must make a decisive evaluation about the Bible. Either it is God's word or the mere words of men. If I choose to receive the Bible as God's word, then I receive the truth about God, myself, he's holy, I'm a sinner, and that I'm in need of repentance. Romans 10.3 says, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's how simple it is. Every person has to make a decision on the content of the Bible. Are they mere stories embellished by men? Or are they accurate words and events as God has declared to warn us and to teach us? If I take them as silly stories, then I will mock and dismiss them as them being applicable or relevant to my life. If I embrace them as truth, then they will cause me to identify with sinful man in need of a savior. Because that's what the scriptures do. In Luke 5, 8, Peter went fishing with Jesus and the other disciples. And um, Jesus told them to cast them on the other side and they just drew so many fish. And when Peter saw that, he fell down at Jesus' knees and said, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. That's what the scriptures do, ladies and gentlemen. The scriptures are not to make us walk around sputtering out information. It's not to be thinking we're walking encyclopedias. It's to communicate to me that I am a rotten, sinful sinner in need of a Savior. The particulars of the prophecy were to make the way for salvation. Notice secondly. Comes the particular time. Of the prophecy in verse 25. The angel Gabriel once again reveals the prophecy is divided into three divisions. The first division is of seven weeks. In the middle of verse 25. The second division is of 62 weeks. Also there in the middle of 25. So you have seven. And the 62 weeks. Then you have the third one in verse 27, the last week. The sum total again, 70 weeks. The angel Gabriel revealed the prophecy has a starting point, a countdown. Gabriel gave the start 
of the 62 weeks and the end of the fulfillment of the prophecy. The starting point involves a decree about Jerusalem. Listen to the words. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem. That's our starting point. The ending date involves the arrival of a person. That person is until Messiah, the prince. Both in verse 25. Now Gabriel gave some particulars to accompany the decree in 25. First, the means of protection. The street shall be built again and the walls. Then secondly, the difficult condition, even in troublesome times. Very, very specific. Next, the angel Gabriel revealed repeatedly that the prophecy is premised on a 70-week, again the Greek word, heptad. Okay? Seven is the number of completeness, as you know, with the Jew. And they were very familiar with this type of measure. Seven. The Jews had a seven-day week, Genesis 1. God gave it. Created the world six days, seventh he rested. Now, there have been times in history people have tried to change the seven-day week. France tried it at one time, and it just exhausted their horses, everything else, and went back to it. It's amazing. The Jews had a seven-day week from the beginning. The world has followed that model. There was a seven-year rest for the land of rest, as you know, Leviticus 25, 1 through 7. But they would plow the land six years. The seventh, they would let it rest. Why? So it can replete itself, right? Replace itself with the nourishment. If you're a farmer, you know that. Simple. There was a seventh year released for the slave in Exodus 21, 1 and 2. You worked for your debt six years. The seventh year, you were released. The future patriarch, Jacob, agreed to fulfill Jake, Rachel's week, seven years, for her in marriage, Genesis 29, 27. The Jews also had a seven Sabbath, 49 years. The 50s called the year of Jubilee, seven sevens, 49. The release of debts, the return of property, to its rightful owner. There were 70 elders that Moses chose in Exodus 18. There were 70 souls that went down to Egypt in Exodus 1.5. The captivity of Israel was accomplished to the number of years they had violated the sabbatic years of the land. 70 multiplied by 7. 490 years Second Chronicles thirty six twenty one. The Bible in Revelation says the seven years are divided into two halves. One thousand two hundred sixty days divide thirty into it. It's a thirty day month, three hundred sixty day calendar year. Simple math. If it consists of years with the multiples, as we will see, it will fall right in line. The particular time of the prophecy was to secure the way of salvation. Pastor Xavier Reese has been providing simple truths for understanding the prophetic 70th week of Daniel, highlighting chapter 9 today. And you can hear this message again, if you like, online anytime 
by selecting today's date at the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. And though we've had to break for today only partway through this message, if your schedule won't permit you to tune in next time for the conclusion, as always, you can pick up your own copy of this study as well. And the title you want to ask for is simply The First 69 Weeks of Daniel. It's available on CD for just $4. And make sure you pass on this study to a friend in your church or Bible study when you're through. Once again, the title to ask for is The First 69 Weeks of Daniel. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 